Welcome to Simply by Grace, a podcast of Grace Life Ministries with founder and director, Dr. Charlie Bing. This podcast and other helpful resources can be found at our website, gracelife.org. Now, here's Dr. Bing. Greetings to you. We're going to do something a little bit different today in our podcast. You're going to join Dr. Dave Anderson, the founder and president of Grace School of Theology, and me in a casual and almost random conversation. You see, we were hunting bears in Canada. We just have to talk about it. So it goes from a discussion about our experience there all the way to discussing some things about the millennium and the judgments that are coming. Well, that's a unique combination, isn't it? But it was a nice occasion to just sit and record some of our conversation for you. So uh, for what it's worth, enjoy listening and be sure to subscribe and like the podcast and let us know what you think. Enjoy. Well, greetings. We are in an interesting setting today. Uh, And I say we because I'm with somebody who's been a friend for a long time. And you'll meet him in a minute. You know, maybe if you've been listening to our podcast because he's been on here before. But uh, Dave Anderson and I are in Canada in the Winnipeg area. And we're out sitting looking over the Winnipeg River, which is almost ready to peak at a almost record high, I think. Dave, tell us, tell everybody, how did we get here in Canada together? Well, Charlie is a master hunter, as your listeners probably already know. (laughs) And he goes to Africa and gets game and hunts all over North America. He's gotten two or three bears. I've always wanted to bear hunt. So he brought me along as bait. <laughs> so he put me up in a tree. and That's why I didn't see any bears. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's been a great hunt. Uh, there were uh, 10 of us here hunting. And all 10 got a bear, which was uh, pretty much of a rush once you see one that is a shooter. All of a sudden the adrenaline kicks in and you're quite excited. But uh, yeah, we're here to have a unique experience and it has been unique. It's been great. And and of course the bottom line is we both got a bear with our bow and arrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we were bow hunting. Which makes uh, it more of a challenge. Yeah, it was uh, it was really fun. Not fun for the bears. <laughs> <laughs> well, they didn't have a sense of humor. I, I but you know, there are people listening who are gonna say, well, how could you shoot a bear? But I always offer a little bit of explanation. Uh, hunters, do a service to the wildlife community because as we had a conversation with the guides and outfitters up here if they don't control the bear population they get diseased they get mange they starve to death in the winter time they become easy prey for the wolves yet they have to keep the a certain number down in every area so they're very careful about what areas they hunt it's all conservation and um, hunters just aren't out there killing everything they see which is often the stereotype yeah, the other thing I learned, which I had not known, is that the boars, the big bad boars, will eat their own young. They'll eat the little cubbies, and uh, you, you, you shoot the boars mainly to keep, on the one hand, to keep the population going, because otherwise 
Uh, they say only one out of three cubs makes it to adulthood. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I mean, even the bears kill kill the little cubs. So, but yep. we it's, it's illegal to shoot a cub. It's illegal to shoot a sow with a cub. So we're aiming for boars, and that's that's what you want to get, or or a female that's not with cubs. We have some interesting stories though come from the week. Uh, some of the some of the other guys that that happened to be here uh, had bears climb look climb up their tree looking at them from below. Yeah. Another one had bears climb up the tree next to him when another bear came in and scared him, and he he sat five yards from the bear staring him eye to eye. Uh, all kinds of stories came out of the week. Yeah, I hope my wife isn't listening to this podcast. Uh oh. <laughs> Why not? This, this today is uh, David's. 55th anniversary to Betty. <laughs> yes, that's true. And she must be a good woman to let you go bear hunting on her anniversary. Yes, yeah, she thought I'd make good bait. <laughs> she, <laughs> I'm sure she expected you to come home, though. But we ought to back up, and, and I'm going to tell everybody how this started, okay? Sure. I was just minding my own business at a Free Grace Alliance conference in the Woodlands, down near your area where you live, at Faith Bible Church, where the conference was. And out of nowhere, Dave walks up to me and says, let's go bear hunting. I said, okay, but don't tease me because if you talk about fishing or hunting, I'm serious. <laughs> he said, I'm serious. I heard there's big bears in Manitoba. I said, okay, I'll, I'll look into it. You look into it. We'll see what we come up with. But we did our homework and we came up with a real good outfitter up here. And that's how the trip started. That's right. And originally I was going to bring my son and son-in-law, but COVID hit. Yeah. That was two and a half years ago. COVID hit. We had to put it on hold. Meanwhile, my son goes and gets his wife pregnant. And they're having a baby any minute now, literally, any hour now. And my son-in-law, life went on for him, starting a new business and so forth. So it's just you and me. Yeah. But that, that worked out great. That's what God wanted, I guess. They'll come up another time. So, yeah, it was a, it was a fun hunt in beautiful country. There's so much woods up here. People have been wonderful, friendly. And no bugs. And and we expected to be swarmed by mosquitoes, but really it didn't because just before we came, it, it snowed and I think put everything to, to rest. But now it's getting warm. <laughs> We're leaving at the right time because we leave today to go home. So that's our, that's our little bear story uh, um, that uh, brings us up to Canada and... Uh, just a nice relaxing time and now we go back and dive back into the real world and get busy again which uh, for me I've got a Africa trip coming up I gotta get ready for and uh, some other local preaching and Dave's gonna go back and what's going on with the school this summer Grace School of Theology founder and director Dave Anderson well we've had a kind of a crescendo in the school uh, Began offering degrees in 07, and we had seven students. Uh, now we have over 700 students, and about 400 of those are in foreign countries. We're in 41 different countries, teaching in eight different languages. As far as I know, we're the only fully accredited American school going to the nations. Uh, something about the Great Commission always hit me. It, it said, go. Hmm. I don't remember saying come. Hmm. So I used to teach for Dallas Seminary, and if I had 30 students, 10 of them were foreign, and they would come to America, and then they 80% stayed in America, didn't go back home. 
So I thought, well, let's go to the nations. And uh, that's kind of our moniker, uh, a seminary to the world. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's been great. We graduated almost 100 uh, students this past, well, this month, mm. May 14th. And it's just been one uh, blessing after another to, you know, we have about 80 students over in Kazakhstan and 40 in the Philippines. and 80 in Kazakhstan? Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. And, well, we're happy to, Grace Life is happy to sponsor two yeah. from Burundi and right. uh, one from the Philippines who graduates this May, I think. Yep. Um, we have about 100 down in Cuba, about 40 in Nepal. And, you know, a lot of these countries, the uh, students can't afford, they couldn't get to America if they wanted to. They nope. can't afford it. Nope. And they can't even afford normal tuition in their own country. But uh, because people have been blessed financially, like our vision, which is to train up Christian leaders in every country in the world who can teach others about the love of Christ, a love that you can never earn and a love you can never lose. Mm -hmm. And they like that vision. So uh, I rarely have to raise money. They just come and say, hey, we like what you're doing, want to help. Mm -hmm. But because of their help, the average tuition here in America per credit hour in a, in a credit to seminary is about six fifty an hour. In America, we charge two fifty an hour, and uh, but over in the Cuba, we charge them a dollar an hour. My goodness. In Nepal, we charge a dollar an hour. I know the Philippines is a lot less. Philippines, I think, is ten bucks an hour. Yeah, something like that. So we try to uh, uh, adapt to the economy of the country, and and we're so thrilled and privileged to be able to uh, educate some Christian leaders in these very very poor countries. Well, I. From my perspective, I tell you, I really appreciate that because, as you know, we, we train Grace Life. We have our Grace Life Institute, which is not accredited or anything, but it reaches people who don't have access to good training yeah. and don't have the money, and they're never going to be able to go to a good school. And they have schools there, but they're just teaching crazy stuff. So what do we do, though, when we graduate them from our four-year program with 12 courses? Where do we send them? So we've been able to funnel some of them to Grace School of Theology, uh, and, and yet they're not paying exorbitant fees. Yeah, And you can't. It's it's not always a good idea to um, uh, help people come to America because many of them just end up staying. Well, that was my point. Uh, which is, you know, I don't blame them for that. But uh, but it, it's very commendable that some of them want to stay in their country and study there and share that training with people in their country. It's very Oh, important. absolutely. I read somewhere that uh, less than 5% of the world's pastors have had formal theological training. Well, one of our students is in Pakistan. He used to be an economics professor. Decided to become a pastor and prayed for years that he could get an education. Heard about us, signed up, and he's graduated now, and he's got 200 pastors he's teaching in Pakistan. They're translating our books into Urdu, and someone from Midland, Texas, just gave them the money to build a building for our school over there. So he wants to have a branch there in mm. Pakistan. In the midst of the increasing persecution, mm -hmm. a bomb went off in a church there not too long ago. Killed four of his relatives. Oh my God! Uh, I know who you're talking about, but we won't say his name. <clears throat> yeah, boy, it's tough over there. Um, so yeah, you're, you're. I like this. I like the motto, "Seminary for the World." That's that's great because we often get focused provincially in America and get caught up in our academics here. But even overseas, they're not struggling with the issues we are here. I mean, 
with most of overseas work, I find is just getting the gospel clear. And that's my, my passion is to just get the gospel clear and we'll let Grace School of Theology come and teach them everything else. <laughs> yeah, there are, uh, uh, I don't know, must be a thousand evangelistic mission boards and groups out there. But uh, the book of Galatians, I think, makes it clear that if you don't get some pretty good teaching about grace, that within a year or two, a church where the pastor isn't properly trained will go right into legalism. Mm -hmm. I think Arnold Toynbee, the historian, said, all religion tends toward legalism. And that's because all people mm -hmm. have something the Bible calls the flesh. Mm -hmm. And the flesh is basically also called our sinful nature. And it gravitates toward legalism because it's, it's, it feeds itself with the performance principle. You've got to perform to be accepted. Of course, we try to make it clear, no, no. You're accepted through the blood of Christ unconditionally by trusting what he did on the cross for us. But approval is a different matter. Approval does come through performance, even though the accepted performance or the approved works we do is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Nevertheless, uh, I think you and your teaching like to talk about the gift and the prize. And the gift is eternal life as we put our faith in Christ. But the prize is to live a life that honors and glorifies God uh, through Christ, Galatians 2.20. And that then at the judgment seat of Christ, if you hear, well done, good and faithful servant, you have been approved. Uh, lack of approval doesn't keep you out of heaven, but approval is a measure of how much glory we will bring to our Savior for all eternity. Mm -hmm. That's, I find, pretty motivating. Yeah, and, and many of the people that I teach overseas have no concept of the judgment seat of Christ. They've right. not heard a teaching on that. Right. But what a relief it is to show them these passages are not talking about your performance sending you to hell or losing your salvation. Yeah. Such an important concept to teach. Which is one of the reasons that uh, theological systems that don't believe in a literal millennium on earth wind up with such a muddled gospel because you only have four texts in the New Testament that clearly talk about judgment. And you've got 1 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 5, Romans 14, which talk about the judgment seat of Christ. Then Revelation 20 talks about the great white throne. But if you read those passages, all four of them are centered on works. Mm -hmm. Faith is never mentioned. Lack of faith is never mentioned. Just works. So if you just believe in a final judgment with no millennium, then those four passages collapse to become one judgment. And it's impossible then to keep works out of it. So that's why so many people who think you have to believe in Jesus to go to heaven also think you have to live a, a good life. I like that uh, observation that those passages don't mention faith mm -mm. in Christ. They just talk about performance. But if you have the millennium in there, the judgment seat of Christ is before the millennium and only believers show up there. That's how you get there, by belief. Mm -hmm. And then there are judgment of, of our life. What have we done since we became believers? On the other hand, after the millennium, according to Revelation 20, you have the great white throne and that's just for unbelievers. You say, well, if it's already decided they're unbelievers, why judge them? Well, they're also judged for their works. Mm -hmm. Just as the judgment seat of Christ judges believers for their works. But if you get rid of that millennium, or if you're what they call a millennial, right. then you lose that distinction, and it's impossible to interpret those passages if you look at them as a gospel measure, 
to keep works out of it. Our millennials believe the rewards are experienced now in this life as blessings from God, is what I found. Um, well, some of them also think you get blessings, uh, rewards in the next life, but all believers get the same rewards. And why not? Mm -hmm. Because some of these systems teach that, well, actually almost all of them teach, if you don't persevere faithfully to the end of your life, you won't even go to heaven. But if the only people who get in heaven have persevered to all the way to the end, then they should all get the same rewards. Right. And that's why one of the most famous uh, textbooks on theology, systematic theology, in the whole world, I think it's 1,100 pages or so, it only has six pages on rewards mm. because they don't see that as a big thing in the New Testament. Yeah, yeah, well, familiar with that book, yeah. Hey, but that mentioning books, uh, by the way, I've been seeing your book getting quoted on uh, Facebook by people, so people are getting into your newest book. Uh -huh. Why don't you tell us the, the title so people can go out and find it and oh. know what it's about. Well, it's called Relationship and Fellowship, and I mentioned in the beginning that it seems almost gratuitous to write the book because uh, the principles are so fundamental. And it's just simply that, uh, you know, if, if, if you're alive on this planet, you had a father somewhere. And if you're a girl, then you're his daughter. If you're a son, you're his son. I mean, if you're a man, you're his son. And nothing can change that relationship. Even in the next life, if one of you went to hell and the other went to heaven, you still have father-son relationship. Nothing can change it. You can't get unborn. So once you're born into a family, you're into something that's irreversible. So the relationship is intact for eternity. However, that doesn't mean you're enjoying the relationship. If my daughter goes out and becomes a prostitute, I would be very sad and grieved, and we would not enjoy our father-daughter relationship. But were she to do that and then be convicted that that was wrong and want to escape it, and she can come back and ask my help and ask for my forgiveness, then our fellowship would be restored. In other words, we would be enjoying our relationship. So that's what the book's about. I just took uh, about 10 sermons where I think it, that uh, those categories, relationship and fellowship, help you understand the passages better. But then in the last third of the book, I decided to do something I've never done before, and that's to go into scholarship and try to show them that these concepts of relationship and fellowship aren't just some preacher's ivory tower way of uh, getting an illustration across to his congregation. They're rooted in the Old Testament. Uh, the Abrahamic covenant is called an everlasting covenant with Israel. And that doesn't mean all the individual members of Israel will be in heaven, but that relationship with Israel is intact. It lasts forever. So God has a relationship with Israel, starting with Abraham. But that doesn't mean God and Israel are enjoying their relationship. He had some conditions for fellowship. One of them was to stay in the land. So every time they tried to get out of the land, Isaac, Jacob, he says, get back to the land. And then uh, after they come out of Egypt, he says, all right, I'm going to spell this out for you. I'm going to write it down. So he gives them the Mosaic Law. And the Mosaic Law was for fellowship. He says, if you do these things, you'll go to heaven. No, he doesn't say that. He says, if you do these things, you'll be blessed. You will have prosperity in the land. And that's what Deuteronomy is all about. So I'm trying to make that distinction from a, uh, a scholarly uh, point of view. Uh, it's not something that I think the uh, person in the pew would even want to read. But if you're a seminary student or graduate, uh, I hope you will read it because it backs up the 
the scholarship behind the concepts of uh, relationship and fellowship. Now, from my observation, there's a lot of people out there who are not seminary students who are still very studious and will want to read that. So huh. don't huh. don't cut, sell yourself short. Uh, well, what do you see it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh. I haven't actually read that book because it's new. But I, as always, I'll I'll catch up and read your books. Cause, but I know it's going to be good. People are people are quoting it from it already. So, um, well, that that's great. Um, you also wrote your textbook that you teach from uh, your notes from seminary course uh, free grace theology you know what i get often asked about not around the world because they don't know what free grace theology is they don't have a name for it but in our american discussion we call it free grace theology people often ask me how do you think it's doing as a movement because we are a minority what have you been asked that and what's your answer for that what's your observation about how the free grace movement is proceeding in the West? Well, I don't like to think of it as a movement. Um, I think a traditional Southern Baptist is, is free grace. Mm -hmm. Now, the Southern Baptists are being divided now by the Reformed movement with some very popular uh, preachers out there that are promoting that. Uh, but traditionally, you know, Herschel Hobbes and what Baptists believe, uh, they believed in what we're teaching, which is simply uh, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. You know, it's a gift. And, uh, you know, it's, it's by grace through faith. So the old adage of faith alone and Christ alone, I think is actually believed by millions of people. They just don't call it free grace. Uh, we call it that because we think the Holy Spirit knew every Christian branch, denomination, splinter group is going to talk about grace. The Roman Catholics right. talk about the seven graces. Right. Well, those are their seven sacraments. So we think the Holy Spirit wanted to make sure we understood that this grace or this gift wasn't something you could earn, wasn't something you could lose, wasn't something you borrowed. It's a free gift. So that's why it says uh, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And he uses the word dorea there. Uh, if, when you make an adverb out of that word, it's on. You put a little N on the end of it. And you have that over in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 6, freely. where it says you can come and drink of the water of life, doreon, mm -hmm. freely, mm -hmm. freely. So in Ephesians 2 and 3, and in Romans 5, he puts grace and this gift thing, he juxtaposes those, or puts them side by side, five times. Mm -hmm. And so uh, people say, well, why do you call it free grace? Isn't that redundant? Because mm -hmm. grace is free. Well... Uh, the Holy Spirit apparently thought it needed some clarification. So he says, it's grace, but it's absolutely free. Absolutely free yeah. That's where you get free grace. Yeah, that redundancy is uh, should cause us to see that there's an emphasis there. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, in the Hebrew language, they had a scarcity or a paucity of adjectives. So they didn't have, you know, a comparative and superlative. They didn't have fast, faster, fastest. So they would just repeat a word. Hmm. So if you said holy, that's one thing. If you want to say holy, you say holy, holy. Or amen, amen, truly, truly. If you want to say holiest, you say holy, holy, holy. Hmm. And so there's, in some languages, purposeful redundancy for effect, uh, for emphasis. And he's not using the same word when he says free grace, but he's, he's kind of reinforcing the idea 
of the undeserved nature of grace by saying it's a free gift. Yeah, amen. Well, you see, friends, this is how our week has gone. We, we could be talking about bear hunting one minute, and then we plunge into theology. And then we had a guide, our bear guide, named <laughs> Elliot, who's uh, suddenly talking about favorite playwrights and quantum theory. And uh, <laughs> we, we were all over the place. But it was the most fascinating conversations I've been in for a long time. Uh, you wouldn't think a bear guide... <laughs> can uh, converse in these things, but he's been everywhere, done everything. He's, yeah. He's, he's a farrier. Or what, he's an interesting character. Yeah. You never know who you're going to meet on these trips. That make, that's what makes it fun. Um, yeah, so we, how you, we were in Oscar Wilde and yep. uh, Tennessee Williams. Tennessee Williams. And, you know, Edgar Allan Poe. I'm glad that he and I, though, agree on the favorite movie, Jeremiah Johnson. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's about suits us both that's true and we know both got the lines memorized <laughs> oh, that was funny. Uh, yeah. by now people are thinking we're pretty crazy so how do we get how do we get back to bear hunting from theology bear bear theology 101 did we learn any theological lessons from bear hunting you tell me <laughs> patience patience perseverance silence is golden yeah in the woods what else Shoot straight. Well, just the beauty of God's creation. Amen. You know, when you're sitting there for five hours waiting for a bear, but seeing all the beauty and watching the squirrels and hearing the birds chirp and seeing the little bunny rabbits hopping around, it uh, gives you a deep appreciation. Well, some of the guys, two guys saw wolves. Yeah. From their exactly. stands and, and then foxes and martens. Mm-hmm. Um, what else did they see? We saw two deer. And that's, that's really all I saw. But when I was sitting in my stand, I had a lake behind me, and I kept hearing this kerplunk, kerplunk, like yeah. somebody's throwing a big rock yeah. in there, and I could not figure out what that was. Yeah. I asked our guide later, and it's the beaver yeah. sounding his warning sign. It yeah. just went kerplunk, kerplunk. I could not figure out what that was. It sounded like somebody's throwing a big rock in the water. <laughs> but uh, that's, yeah, that's the thing about being in the woods, too. You never know what to expect. And... Uh, it, we're just surrounded by beauty. Everything's just now blooming here um, in, what is it, uh, May 26th, 7th today, your anniversary, May 27th. Yeah, don't forget my anniversary. Uh, I started with it. <laughs> I started with it. And my birthday was the day we arrived. That's so right. they, they had a little surprise yeah. birthday cake for me on May right. 22nd, we arrived. Been a great group to be with. and. Uh, We've had, we've had some good conversations, good hunting. Nothing makes makes us feel guilty that our wives are back home. Well, we had seven guys with us who work for the Coca-Cola company. Mm-hmm. And uh, that company is a, is a reward, uh, gives these trips to their employees. So all of them had an expense paid trip. And on Charlie's birthday, he came out with the line of the week. He said, he was celebrating his birthday with a bunch of Coke dealers. <laughs> <laughs> they got a kick out of that line. I did too. <laughs> oh boy. That was the line of the week. <laughs> well, I think we've given people too much to think about. Uh, so, um, you know, we, we, did, we didn't explicitly share the gospel with people, but we let them know where we stood and uh, told them we hope we see him again in heaven. And... Uh, like one, like our one outfitter just said, um, he said, well, what did he say? He said, I he said, said hope to see you in heaven someday. He said, that's for good people. That's for good people. 
And I said, no, it's for bad people yeah. who know a good person, Jesus. Yeah. 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 And he and he said, <laughs> he just it took him back a little bit, and he said, you guys are good. <laughs> <laughs> so, but we they they all know where we stand and what we do, and and they were watching us closely, and they brought enough whiskey. To, <laughs> They, they bought enough whiskey to float a boat, but they, they behave themselves pretty good for being away from home and their wives. They earned this trip with their company. So they were good guys. They were all good guys. And one of them yeah. was a Christian. He's a deacon in his church. We had good conversations with him. Rodney. Yeah, Rodney. Yeah. We, they're gonna, some of them are going to listen to this podcast and others, so we got to speak nicely of them. But they're all great guys. Well, um, I think we're going to have to say goodbye to the wilderness. We're going to catch a ride into Winnipeg and the airport for another nightmare trip back home. <laughs> we yeah we left that portion out what a nightmare it was getting here changed Ooh. flights covid tests trying to get our weapons into the country oh my goodness i've been in 38 countries this was the worst uh trip i've ever had yeah I said, flight that, that's Flights. crazy 18 yeah. hours a five-hour flight turning 18 hours right for you. yeah and 12 hours for me hmm. um oh well we won't we won't bore people with our problems but Anyway, we appreciate you listening, tuning in to Grace Life, and we hope to hear from you. And uh, if you're listening, we hope to see you in heaven too someday. But I appreciate Dave, his friendship through the years and all that he's done. And to get to hunt with him, just a real special thing. That's tremendous. All right. Well, we'll hope you tune in next time. We'll see you. Thank you for listening. For more resources or to help spread the message of God's life-changing grace, visit our website at gracelife.org. We'd love to hear from you. Send us a message at simplybygrace at gracelife.org. See you next time.